devotional podcast, bringing you some encouragement during these trying times. Continuing going through the book of 1 Corinthians as we are doing on Thursdays, this is chapter 11, starting in verse 17. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat or drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Skipping down to verse 27. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats or drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. So that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. You know, it's fascinating for me to think about what were the things that Paul considered essential to a church body, to a church service. Paul and many of the other apostles, but especially Paul, went to places where there was no church, and built it from the ground up. Now, we today have 2,000 years of church history that greatly influenced the way that we do church and have service and gather together. But they had a couple of traveling evangelists and a young body of baby Christians. Paul was planning a church that had zero experience being a Christian church. So what is essential to a church meeting? What could he encourage them to do and then leave knowing that they were doing all that was required of them as a church? Did they sing songs? How many? Did they have a sermon by one church leader or did many people from the congregation share from the scriptures? Was there a meet and greet time? Were the children all there? We know some things about the early church's practices, but many things we don't. One thing we do know, they practiced the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is an integral and powerful part of church practice and has been so since the very beginning. It is something that the Lord directly commanded on the night that he died. And we see here in our passage that the church took it to heart and we still practice it today. However, doing an act doesn't necessarily mean doing it well. Paul says here about the Corinthian church practice, I do not commend you. In fact, he says that they are worse off than they were before because of their meeting. What was the problem? Well, the Corinthian church was made up of wealthy believers and poor believers and those in between, much like most churches. It was often the practice that on the occasion of practicing communion, the people would bring their own elements. What was happening is that the wealthier members of the congregation would bring the best bread and the finest wine, and they'd have themselves a good old time, apparently not even waiting for everyone to show up. Many of them would get drunk from drinking too much wine. On the other hand, some of the poor members had little food or no food to bring to the meeting, and they would arrive later, presumably because they had been working all day. 
and there would be no food left to practice the Lord's Supper. Paul says this is a travesty, an embarrassment. In one body you have some getting drunk and others starving. How can you go through the motions of remembering the Lord's death without remembering the kind of life that he lived? Christ loved and served the poor, the weak, the outcast, the forgotten. It does you no good to, quote-unquote, remember his death without remembering his life and his teaching. Now, when we come together to celebrate communion, we will all eat the same bland crackers and grape juice. But does that mean that we can't take the Lord's Supper in a shameful manner? What if we have ongoing bitterness with the person three rows back? What if we're aware and the person in the next section over is hurting financially and we've done nothing to help? What if we spend the night before on the computer looking at something we shouldn't have? There's a reason that pastors will, they call it fleecing the table before practicing communion. It's, it's, it's a warning to say, listen, if you are not a believer, if you are not right with the Lord right now, do not do this. Let the, the bread and the cup pass by. God has shown us in his word that he takes this practice very seriously. And many of the Corinthians, as we've seen in this passage, got sick and even died because of the flippant way that they celebrated the Lord's Supper and gathered together. So, examine your heart before the next time we take communion, which will actually be in a couple weeks here at our church. Seek forgiveness from those you might have hurt. Forgive those who have hurt you. Take care of those in need in your congregation, if you have the means to help. And confess your sins to God. But the application for this passage goes beyond just communion. Don't follow through with the rituals of the Christian life and forget what's most important. The second greatest commandment in all of Scripture is to love your neighbor as yourself. 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3, If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. He's saying going to church, tithing, serving on the parking team, giving to the mission's Christmas offering. None of this matters if we aren't motivated by love. First for the Lord, and then for our neighbor. God, help us to love well. Help us to to pursue you with a pure and sincere devotion that is motivated by love for you, God, and for love for your people. Because we know that love motivates you. And we thank you for it. We thank you that in your love you've called us into your family. Help us to do family life together well, caring for one another, making sacrifices for one another, making sure that we are right with one another before we come together and and, and do church. We thank you for our church family. We pray that you would guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Let's Talk. Church family, you are loved. Have a blessed day. immediately if you need help find